Welcome to the Customer Success Podcast, the official voice of the customer success community. Who's excited? Who's fired up? On this episode, Allison sits down with Peter Armley, Senior Director of Customer Success Business Advisory Services at Oracle to discuss how to systematically drive business outcomes throughout your organization and more. Welcome back to the Customer Success Podcast. I'm Allison Pickens, CEO of Gainsight, and I'm here with Peter Armley, who is Senior Director of Customer Success Business Advisory Services at Oracle. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Allison. It's great to see you. Great to see you. Um, I know that you have so many interesting thoughts to share about the evolution of customer success over the past few years, and especially the journey that you've been on at Oracle. So I'm super excited to dig into it. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, to share, I think. You know, it's been, I'm, I'm not a young person, so I've been through a lot. <laughs> Happy to talk about it. Let's dig in. Just to start off, could you walk the audience through your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I've been in uh, the high-tech field for um, over 20 years, like, well, longer than that if you talk about working as a customer of software. But in the software vending world, I've been in, um, in that space for about 22 years. And, um, you know, started in the sales uh, organization, in the pre-sales solution consulting kind of capacity. And I quickly learned um, that I had an affinity for customers' uh, needs and goals around the software. So it's one thing to sell and position and demo the software, but I, I found more interest actually in working with the customer um, to really have them uh, more deeply understand how they can get value from it. And, and I was very successful um, through that element of my journey, um, and I was able to kind of um, you know, really parlay that into um, a broader um, role in evangelizing, still in the sales organization, about our solutions, but also how you can kind of extract more value as a customer from these things. And I wrote some white papers and did a lot of traveling and speaking. Um, and then I was purposefully intended to move into the post-sales world, and I wanted to join the support organization, which was really heresy at the time, I mean, because <laughs> people don't do that, but I really wanted to get close to the customer and really closer to the product. Um, I thought if I was able to do that, I'd really be able to add a lot more value for not just the customer, but for my employer. Um, I thought it'd be a much more valuable kind of resource for them to really uh, have someone out there who really understood the full life cycle of a, of a sales you know, opportunity all the way through to closure, to adoption and fulfillment for the customer. And so that's where um, I, I think I really learned that customer success, before it was even coined, um, I thought that's what needs to happen. We need a more programmatic approach and maybe even specific roles in an organization that kind of is focused completely on really helping the customer uh, derive much deeper value for the solution. This was in the on-premise world at the time. So when cloud came along, uh, for me, it was like a really easy kind of leap uh, into that, that sort of technology um, because I was always, already talking with customers about um, you know, more rapid adoption, more specific focus on their identif identification of their business goals and mapping all that. So um, I feel like it was kind of a natural kind of flow, like a, you know, a, not, a, not an ebb and flow, but just a flow for me into this kind of modern world we're in where subscription economy and, you know, pursuit of business goals. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot that we can dive into in terms of what you just shared about your journey. I want to talk a little bit about what you've seen in the support world. Mm -hmm. It strikes me that 
support has in many ways inspired customer success, as you alluded to, right? In the, in the old days, being in support was actually the one of the best ways to get close to the customer, which provided invaluable data and feedback and knowledge of the customer experience, which could be parlayed throughout the rest of the organization. Um, I think a lot of support leaders also felt as though their hands were tied a bit because uh, they weren't able to be as proactive as they wanted to uh, with clients getting ahead of the issues that came into the queue. So in many ways, support was kind of the precursor to customer success. And I've also noticed today customer success is inspiring support leaders to also think differently about the way they perform their jobs. So I'm curious to know if you've noticed that interplay uh, between the two functions. Yeah, I think um, I think you you rightly um, called out uh, really the the need or the desire at the time to do more. Um, you know, support um, through the years has always been very reactive by nature and by function. Um, they get called, they react, and they try to fix things. But a lot of smart people thought there's got to be more to this. There needs to be more to this to really um, help customers get over that frustrating kind of repetition of patterns. Um, and I think, so I think there's two things. I think there's uh, that growing awareness that support needed to elevate its game um, to be more than just a, a fix, a, a break-fix kind of a function. Um, and so s- smart leaders um, believed that, that they should, uh, you know, layer on top of that some sort of a, a more consultative approach. But I think um, culturally that's difficult, um, traditionally in the support world, because the people who populate the roles don't really, their skills don't really lend themselves, and even their personalities don't lend themselves to be, to lean towards that. Um, there's, there's not that comfort to really have those kinds of more uh, open-ended dialogues with customers. Even if it's over um, electronic communications, people don't really think that way necessarily uh, as a general rule. I think there's obviously exceptions to that, and I've worked with really smart um, and really capable support people who really stepped uh, you know, out of that kind of role, a traditional role that way. But I also think that technology um, matured a lot um, to enable... And I'm thinking more particularly about, um, you know, reporting and analysis and Mm -hmm. identification of patterns. So that enabled support leaders to really start seeing um, insights in the data to allow them to have, um, uh, to coach their teams to really, um, in a way, uh, pursue a little bit deeper kind of conversations with customers to help them understand, okay, this, you know, this, 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 uh, these problems you're experiencing are are repetitive and, we're, think, we're thinking of you're going to try these different routes um, in the future to kind of avoid those, those kind of scenarios. And so I think that was kind of like the, the beginning of um, the emergence of, or at least the convergence of support with customer success. We're seeing more of a blurred line or boundary there, and I think that's all good because I think customer support needs to be part of the customer success kind of overall story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so let's fast forward a bit to uh, your leading business advisory services at Oracle. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and the journey that you've been on at Oracle? Sure, sure. My, um, my role keeps evolving all the time. Um, so I was brought into the, the role, um, about a, well, the specific role about a year ago, to really focus on um, uh, driving out, actually almost two years ago now, uh, to really uh, more formalize the voice of the customer program specific to this service so that we can really do deeper research on how customers are um, viewing our customer success uh, service or practice up to that point, 
uh, what are the gaps um, from their perspective, and, and we already had some ideas of what our gaps were, so I wanted to really surface um, whether what we felt we were weak at was visible to the customers. So I have these long conversations with customers. We did, we did a really large survey with a big customer group um, with a pretty good response rate of about 30%, which is pretty good for like 2,700 customers. And so we had a lot of data, and I, we'd combine that with a lot of interviewing I was doing uh, with random customers. And at the end of the day, we, had a, we developed a point of view, um, and this was over the course of about four or five months, that uh, we needed to come up with a really elevated level of service that was more, a lot more consultative, a lot more expert-based, um, a lot more proactive, and a lot more driven by um, really the pursuit of understanding what the customer's specific business goals are, including the metrics around the KPIs, so that we can really build out a really formal um, journey for the customer um, to really drive in a very finite period of time. You know, it sounds kind of like almost cliche because everyone's using customer success plans, but we really developed in a lot of depth. Um, around the metrics for what success means for customers. And at the same time, um, understanding that all customers are different. And so we wanted to develop a, more of a dynamic engagement model uh, that will allow us to be a lot more nimble depending on the customer's you know, business and uh, their industry, uh, the skill levels. And so it's, it's a lot more complicated for us to figure out how to develop an engagement plan. But at the end of the day, I think most customers, or a lot more customers, are a lot happier with, with what we're doing. So I was part of that effort to, to build all that strategy out in the architecture of, of that service. Um, and lately, uh, I've been asked to, in addition to continuing to be involved in that, I've been asked to kind of more formalize the practice about thought leadership. So we've developed, uh, we're developing uh, not just uh, a more specific content management practice within customer success, but, and I'll be leading that, but more um, really formalizing what it means over the course of a year, how we should be evangelizing customer success for Oracle, um, both internally and externally into the industry. So I'll be, I'll be working with another person on that, but um, we'll be you know, doing a lot, a lot more, being a lot more methodical about attending conferences and speaking on specific topics, um, and more around not just about Oracle, but about customer success in general, kind of like what Gainsight's trailblazed uh, over the last few years. Terrific. So uh, again, incredible experience that I think you've driven for your company and also um, you know, for your clients too. You, you mentioned this desire to become a lot more proactive, and there's a lot of talk in the industry about how do you drive toward outcomes systematically. Do you have a certain framework that you use internally to ensure that your customers are getting to outcomes? Sure, we um, we do have a methodology um, that you know we coach the team on how that should play out in front of customers. But we're very methodical about um, having the, the customer success managers conduct discovery sessions uh, with new clients or you know existing clients who are buying into our service. And, and these are deep dives into their business and, um, and really the identification, really facilitating with the customer and having them um, realize that they have to be much more specific about what the possibilities are for them to, to achieve certain business outcomes with this specific technology in a specific period of time. So we try to drive reality for the customer about you know, their, what they bought, what its potential is and what its capabilities are and what their capabilities are. Mm -hmm. So this whole discovery session is very serious, meaning it can't be done in 30 minutes, it can't be done in one hour. It's got to be over the course of a few hours, maybe even two sessions, 
Um, and then we come back to them about a week later with a, with a kind of a recommendation of a, of a plan going forward. Um, this involves um, a lot of upfront work, of course, to design the service with the CSMs and enable them to be able to be equipped to have these, these sessions with the, with the customers and, and really arrive at really smart um, and deep recommendations for them that are well documented with proof points. And we have um, a lot of data we, we leverage to, to support our you know, hypothesis and our um, basically it's benchmarking that allows us to kind of have a lot of confidence to, to provide them with a prescription forward. Awesome. Is there a certain way that you measure whether clients are in fact on track to achieve their outcome? Sure. I mean, the traditional ways are the regular quarterly business reviews. Um, and, you know, the CSMs will have very obviously really regular touch points. But um, we try to layer on top of that with some of the uh, voice of the customer kind of um, obviously surveys. And we're, getting, we're trying to be really more particular about that. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, rather than just a blanket kind of survey quarterly or anything, we want to be, be really specific about when they've had, say, uh, an adoption guidance session, we call those, when CSM will focus for a period of maybe a few hours or a day just on driving with the customer very specific practices around how do you leverage better some of the features of ERP or HCM solutions. Um, we will follow that up. We're, we're planning to follow those kinds of things up with very specific questions around so what value did you get from that session? Um, what was, how did you feel uh, the CSM conducted this session? Would you offer, would you, mm -hmm. do you have some ideas for improvement, that sort of thing? So mm -hmm. we're trying to um, approach it from both an, an, you know, an empirical point of view, meaning that we'll, we'll make sure that CSM's delivering on these, these very specific kind of deliverables of the overall engagement plan, while at the same time we follow it, uh, you know, at the same, you know, in a parallel effort, ask specific questions about what their the sentiment and as, uh, is of the customer around those those deliverables. It's a work in progress, I think, um, but I think we're on the right path in terms of understanding um, their value, what the perception of the value they're getting. So. so, in launching customer success as an organization at Oracle, uh, precipitating the shift toward outcomes-based thinking, uh, these are big transformations, right, that you're, you're undergoing as a company. What advice would you have to leaders who are trying to launch customer success for the first time within a large organization? I would recommend, um, A, they really need to understand, um, obviously, uh, their product. Uh, they have to understand what its potential is, what its, obviously, its purpose is for why was it created for the market. It must be trying to solve some sort of business challenge. Get really good at, under, at articulating what that is um, at various depths of, of uh, you know, conversation you can have with the market. Um, and then try to really rapidly understand what your target market is in terms of um, what, how do, why would they look to you and what, in terms of solving some specific business problem. So I think there's not, it's not easy, right? You really have to um, make the effort to understand the, the variety of customers that you have and be able to build out capabilities um, in your team to satisfy at least the minimum, the very minimum expectations of different levels of customers. So, you know, your high value customers who, you know, might, might invest a lot in you, you obviously need to be able to understand 
um, at a greater depth what their expectations are because you know they're the ones who are going to make you most profitable over time and you really want to nurture those types of relationships while not ignoring the lower mm-hmm. um, you know invested customers because they could grow and so you need to at least be able to meet their their expect, minimum expectations and and be able to kind of um, build your team accordingly and and so you know, that, maybe that's not the, the most uh, detailed rec- or uh, guidance I could give to a, a new leader, but I think there's no escaping the fact that it's, it's not a simple job. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a rewarding job because at the end of the day, if you do this right, I mean, you can really make a big impact for your employer. Absolutely. Now, I know that at Oracle, you have a program where you charge uh, for customer success as a service. I'd love to dig into that in a lot more depth. It's certainly a rising trend in the industry um, and you know we're, we're seeing it increase in frequency. We're seeing best practices being created. What do you think are the fundamental um, attributes of a customer success service that ensure that it will be received well in the market? Um, well, the fundamental aspect uh, or features of a customer success service needs to be that um, it has to give the customer the perception that they are cared for someone's paying attention to them and in a way that doesn't require them to always be the one to uh, reach out and and ask. Um, So, and this sounds like I'm describing a bad relationship with someone, but it's like, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, so if I'm a customer um, and, and I'm a customer of a customer success practice, I have an expectation that they're going to anticipate to some level of sophistication what my needs are because they should know enough about my business I've already told the salespeople what I'm trying to do um, I they should already know why I bought the product so there's a couple of very fundamental things customer success already knows about me um, they should be able to start putting pieces together and connecting the dots of, of that plus other things that were exhibiting through support you know cases and all that kind of stuff that, that allow them to start filling out a picture uh, of me uh, uh, as the customer. And I think um, if, if, uh, you know, if they have that in place, that, I would say that's the core of a customer success practice. Um, but that won't work perfectly unless you actually have the right personalities in place too. And I think the hiring of the right, um, uh, the right kind of people to really um, build out the right kind of DNA for your culture is critically important because if you don't have that, mm-hmm. um, it could really disturb um, that kind of equilibrium of a equilibrium of a balance of a relationship you want to have between mm-hmm. you, the cust- you the 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 company, the vendor, with the customer community, mm-hmm. because you don't want to be um, completely beholden to your customer because you actually have to pursue your own business goals, and so there has to be a, a kind of a delicate balance there, and and you want people who are who are um, able and willing to proactively connect with customers um, while at the same time understanding what the constraints are within your own kind of operations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Now, I think in order for a paid customer success service to be successful, you also need your sales team to actually go out and sell it. Uh, and, and I'd love to talk in more detail about the relationship between customer success and sales. But for now, how do you ensure that the sales team is really pitching your customer success program the right way? Sure. The, well, the way we do it, we actually, you know, made a leap right away into kind of an easier way of doing this by hiring our own salespeople for this. We have our own sales team 
We have about, um, I think maybe 12 to 14 sales reps focused completely on selling our service. So they're, um, you know, onboarded and enabled just completely about what customer success business advisory services is. Um, and it's a pretty sophisticated onboarding program. Um, it gives them a lot of information about um, who the customers are, um, you know, what, what, what is Oracle trying to do through its SaaS portfolio, what kind of markets it is addressing. So there's a lot of good information for the salespeople to start running with, um, selling the value of the service. Uh, but that's, that doesn't mean we're not engaging with the broader Oracle application sales team. We, we are always trying to communicate to them why it's important that they bring us into deals a lot earlier. So, and when I say bring us in, it means they bring in our salespeople to sell the service at a particular point in time of the opportunity um, that, you know, well before it closes, we would like to get involved um, in those conversations so that it's properly positioned for the customer why it's important that they should look at uh, adding on this service if they really want to, you know, get the most value from, from that investment. And this involves us getting on um, all-hands calls for particular sales organizations or doing some webinars. Um, my boss does the occasional um, um, webinar with senior executives within Oracle inside the company to, to, to dovetail what we do with the overall strategy for sales. And I do a lot of um, team meetings, sales team meetings, regional team meetings, just mm -hmm. to kind of talk about our service a lot. So it's an always, it's an ongoing effort. Um, and we're a big company. I think it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, love it. So let's talk about the relationship between customer success and sales more broadly. Mm -hmm. um, this tends to be complicated, I think, in situations where there are multiple products, actually, that um, could be cross-sold to a given client, could be sold initially. Um, so, you know, I see different types of models where you might have uh, you know, sales be specialized and customer success be more across all of the products. I also see the inverse situation. Um, how do you ensure that in a multi-product scenario, there's enough knowledge of the product um, and also there's strong coordination between the two functions? Yeah, and that's completely fair. Um, it is really difficult to expect uh, and to have them excel at, uh, CSMs to excel at multiple product expertise. Um, so we, you know, our SaaS, SaaS portfolio covers everything that we believe large companies require to run their business operations, you know, from HR through ERP, through supply chain management to uh, the front office applications of CX and marketing and, and service and all that kind of stuff. So together, that's our portfolio, but to expect a CSM to be able to be even semi-skilled at all that stuff is, is at this point unrealistic on its own, um, and I'll get back to that in a bit. But so we do have an enablement program. What we're trying to do, and we're really transparent about it with everybody, is we do desire CSMs to be multi-solution skilled because our, our customers are buying that way. They're starting to increasingly buy that way. They, they might have bought one solution, but they're enjoying success with that investment. And so it's natural that they'll start looking at purchasing the adjacent solution or, or another um, two. So we have multiple solution customers now. Though we can we can uh, anticipate now we're going to have some customers with the entire portfolio, and we don't want to have eight CSMs assigned to that account. 
Um, we might have two, three CSMs, depending on how large the customer is, but we will always have one CSM who's kind of responsible and accountable for really making sure that relationship works mm-hmm. um, with the multiple CSMs even. So it, it's, a, it's a maturation process for us, and what it means is we have to continually build out our enablement program. So we're trying to con- consistently and constantly evolve it. And we were fortunate enough that we've designed our practice to include a small team of subject matter experts who... Mm-hmm help us uh, infuse our onboarding or enablement platform with uh, really sophisticated, detailed product information that they are bringing in from the product team. So there's that conduit we have um, programmatically into our product organization um, that allows us to really update on a frequent basis our enablement program. But as I said, it's a work in progress. Um, we can anticipate there will be a, a day where some CSMs, and we already have some CSMs who are already accredited. We have an accreditation program, and they've all been through accreditation for a single product. But now we have some CSMs, quite a few actually, who have multiple accreditations now. And so they're almost ready. Some of them are ready to start taking on larger multi-solution customers. But, you know... This is this is going to take some time, right? To, yeah. But I think I want just to I want to make sure everyone understands that technology is a big part of this. So having uh, CSMs assigned to those accounts, they can't do it. Even no matter if they have all that accreditation, they still need technology to help them by providing them the right insights about those customers. Absolutely. Who owns the renewal in this model? So sales still owns, the, not our salespeople, but um, ap- the application salespeople own the renewals for the customer. Own the renewal. And is the CSM measured in any way based on the renewal or perhaps like other revenue that's generated from the client? So uh, not at this particular point. Because mm-hmm. we're a new service um, and we just our first year wow. of launching this, we want to be really careful uh, about making too many changes. We want to really establish the good practice around about the service and what it's meant to do and really communicate it properly and really establish a good rhythm with customers and with our CSMs. We don't want to overextend um, our expectations for the CSMs because we need them to kind of evolve into uh, more accountability. So they are, um, you know, obviously we measure their ability to keep customers, but they're not... um, um, bonused on that necessarily at that point, or even there's no piece of their compensation for the for their specific renewal of those customers. Um, there's other ways that we we kind of measure them um, and and bonus them accordingly. But at this point, um, not not yet. Got it. Now I know when a lot of companies, especially on the large side, uh, launch customer success initiatives, sometimes salespeople can be a little bit wary of the customer success program. One of the questions that I've heard. Um, a fair bit over the years, I think especially maybe three or four years ago, was, well, who owns the customer now? Mm-hmm. Uh, as, you know, in sales, maybe we thought we owned the customer. Here's this other person that's now going to be proactively reaching out to my what I thought was my client. Uh, how have you guys managed through those conversations? It's, um, it's a multi-person effort um, to really help move that conversation forward. And I think we're making really good progress. I'm glad you asked that question because it's critical. It really is critical, especially in a large company like Oracle, which is a traditional software vendor um, itself trying to transform into a big cloud player, uh, which means we can't just, it's not just about the product, it's about the culture of the company and the way we go to market and the way we organize ourselves. And so we've, we, like all companies, I guess, who are going through that transition, 
are having that conversation, um, like who does own the customer. And traditionally, sales always has. But I think even sales knows now that they can't do a good job of that. I think they recognize what all the industry is saying, that sales in the past was natural that they did because all the effort was and, and all the focus needed was on what happened before the customer bought the solution, not so much attention paid afterwards. But of course, the subscription economy and cloud has changed that whole thing. So people are getting that now. And so we're having less objection to um, ourselves positioning ourselves as being their peer mm -hmm. after sale. Um, it's still not gen not widely accepted, but I think I'm, I'm getting a lot less um, mm -hmm. objection to it. And yeah. so it's not just me. There's other people who are charged with making sure people understand this, this half of the conversation. So I can see even in the last year, we've been able to elevate um, the prominence of customer success within Oracle. And so mm -hmm. I, it feels like we're really influencing, and I can see it at the very senior levels, actually, the top levels of the company, they're really getting customer success a lot more and more now. That's terrific. And I, I know you guys are, again, still in the early stages of this journey, so it makes sense that it's work in progress. One of the other questions that tends to come up a lot in larger companies when they're on this journey is who owns one-to-many communication with clients? The emails, the in-app engagements, Often marketing claims ownership, but then again, product is increasingly, I think, getting involved in driving growth and adoption. Customer success might say, well, we own the journey, so we should own it. Um, how are you guys handling those badly. dialogues? Really badly. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we're, that's, uh, that's something that we need to really uh, address in a big way. Because you're right, marketing um, has historically owned that. And, and I think rightfully so. They're good at at being the ones who are able to do that. Um, we do have a marketing team within our, a very small marketing team within our customer success organization who um, are good and they're former marketers, focus completely on the marketing space and now they're working in our organization, kind of a, obviously you know what that means, is different marketing to customers versus prospects. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a different kind of play. Um, but they are good at it, and and so I'm working more closely with them because of the whole content management strategy that I'm responsible for, uh, and and so you know I, I think um, we just need to get better at working with the marketing, the traditional marketing organizations, which is much larger, to make sure we don't do this blundering effort that many of us do where we inundate our customers with too much information, too much redundancy, mm -hmm. um, not enough clarity, and you, you come off looking really bad. And so we worry, we worry, and that's the right word, yeah. um, worry about the whole customer experience more and more. And we understand, I think people are getting it now within Oracle, across all the organizations, that there needs to be much better collaboration around what the customer's hearing and what they should be hearing from us and when. Absolutely. Now, uh, switching gears a bit, I'd love to talk about professional development for people in the customer success field, which I think a lot of folks listening to this podcast are interested in. It's probably one of the reasons they're listening to it. Uh, I know you all have put a lot of thought into what kind of customer success managers to hire for this new program, what skills you're expecting them to have. Um, how do you think about developing your CSMs over time? So we do um, readily say we want... Um, experience uh, because we need that. We do need people who are really comfortable 
um, operating semi-autonomously, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, almost like they own their own book of business. And so they have a mm-hmm. you know, set of customers. They should feel that they're enabled to make decisions on um, within a framework of and a methodology of how we want the success plan and all those things to be delivered um, to be able to kind of be that person for the customer and to guide them forward. While at the same time, we, we do have a big um, concern or a focus on building for the future. And so we're trying to put in place um, that experience kind of set of community of CSMs, and we've, we're very successful. We've got a lot of a good cohort of senior people. Well, but we do want to kind of um, hire in less experienced people too, and not necessarily ones who've been in traditional CSM roles either, or sales, maybe from another part of the business that could develop into good CSMs within the framework of our of our operation and the design of our programs. We don't see it without uh, as unreasonable to think that people can grow into the roles. And so we think it's important to do that because um, A, um, is for the future, but it also allows the senior CSMs to mentor more junior CSMs. And we get that, you get that kind of uh, better culture that kind of uh, organically kind of arises, which can only benefit us and the customer at the end of the day because those more junior CSMs will learn from um, that more wise or more experienced CSM who's had a lot more time spent with a variety variety of customers and has seen a lot more. Um, but then they have that kind of maybe an outside perspective that they're bringing in that can help, you know, teach the, new, the, the older CSMs and the more experienced CSMs something new too. So that's, you know, it's, yeah, we find that fascinating to kind of think about and, and try to nurture. And so uh, that's at a high level how we kind of see um, over time, us building a kind of more uh, blended kind of CSM um, profile. Now, Peter, I know in designing this organization, you all have given a lot of thought to the journey that your customers are going on. Um, often, I think in the past, we as an industry have talked about the post-sale world, the post-sale experience. But uh, I know in talking with you earlier, uh, you really believe that actually the journey begins in pre-sale. So how have you thought about orchestrating that journey for your clients? Yeah, so the orchestration, um, it has to start somewhere. And it starts not just my mind, but there's a few of us who are kind of thinking this way about it. We believe customer success needs to be a more of a holistic practice. And I think, you know, it's not just us. I think as I look through the industry, I do a lot of reading and talking to people. I think a lot of people are starting to imagine um, customer success as more than just the traditional, and I even now, it seems strange to call it traditional, but CSMs have been around for a few years now, but we have to think more broadly of that almost. So customer success needs to be more than just CSMs. It needs to be support and, and services and even the SIs and, and everybody. And so orchestration, I think, is the right word. I've been using the word governor um, to describe the practice of making sure that the customer is, is, um, is a, you know, their needs are addressed and they're kind of handled um, from before they are even an official customer. So that means that that customer success needs to work more closely with marketing to understand what, what it is they're, who it is they're targeting and, and work more closely with sales to see what are they communicating to their specific customers, uh, how are they positioning the product, um, making sure that customer success can help them, help sales and marketing understand 
here's all the successful customers we've got in the last five years. You guys should start figuring out how to better target these customers, that type of customer, because then at the end of the day, we'll have a lot stronger community of real customers at the end of this whole journey. And the way I envision it is that that whole pre-sales period where sales and marketing really is at the forefront, um, and then towards the end of the, where the deal starts closing and customer success starts entering the picture, this whole journey can be broken down into many parts. And I think if we see customer success as a practice, kind of oversee that whole thing from just before closure all the way through you know, onboarding and, and education and uh, the adoption of the product and value realization and ultimately value expansion, I call it, where they uh, reach a point where they're getting so much um, you know, value from that investment that they want to invest more uh, in adjacent solutions or more in the relationship, something needs to kind of govern that and, and, and be able to kind of understand who's involved in each of those steps and be able to be that kind of main communication body. And that, I think, my conversations with customers would be a winning proposition because they really want something to kind of manage that whole affair. Uh, it's too complicated for them to figure out who's, who's who and when should I be talking to who and who's responsible for what. And, and that's, there's a, that's a big source of frustration for customers, and we want to minimize that as much as possible. So we're stepping up. We, we've been raising our hand saying, okay, we're going to be that, that entity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not to say we're better than anyone else. I just, we just believe something needs to be uh, orchestrating that whole event and, and bring in those services uh, when customers and ourselves believe those are required. Absolutely. Now, in closing... Uh, if you had to give one piece of advice to other folks out there who are trying to launch customer success in a big organization, what would be that advice in just one sentence? Uh, I would, that's a really good question. One sentence. I would say um, approach, approach the, this scenario um, with authenticity in your heart that you're in it for um, because you truly believe what the value you have to offer um, it can be meaningful for customers, um, which should logically translate into meaning for your, your, your employer um, because you need to be in it because you want to do the right thing. And the right thing, it seems, sounds really hokey, the right thing is really trying to deliver value for someone who's buying a product. Um, and it's, to me, it's really clear. It's like a straight line between purchase and value, and someone needs to be able to kind of have the enthusiasm and the passion to to manage that. Awesome. Peter, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate the opportunity, Allison. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked the episode, feel free to hit that subscribe button and leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. Until the next time, this has been the Customer Success Podcast, brought to you by Gainsight, the customer success company.